Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, Dave Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. Uh, if you guys are listening to this on your favorite podcast or streaming app, that is fantastic. Um, but if you don't know, we also do these on our YouTube channel, which is the fastest way to get there is demandgen.tv. And no matter whether you are on uh, the podcast app or on YouTube, if you guys could take a quick moment and just click on the subscribe button because we make episodes for you guys every single week. And I want to make sure you can find your way back to the channel, whether again, that's on our YouTube channel at demandgen.tv or on the podcast app. By the way, only like 60% uh, of you are subscribed. So that's another 40% uh, that uh, listen to an episode, catch an episode, and may miss the other ones. Today's gonna be a great episode. I am rejoined uh, with Carlos Adago, and we are gonna talk about customer expansion. Uh, many of you talk about this as customer loyalty, maximizing customer lifetime value, and it's a very, very, very important topic when it comes to driving growth for your business and driving revenue. So let's get Carlos. Carlos, how are you? I'm doing great. Good to join you again, Dave. Always enjoy these. Now, in case you guys don't know Carlos, I've been tracking his trek across the country. Uh, he is right now broadcasting to you from, you're in New York? No, I am in North Carolina. North Carolina. Uh, yeah, the hat just comes with me uh, no matter where I go. You can take the boy out of New York. You can't take New York out of the boy. So go Yankees. But yeah, we got to North Carolina yesterday in our RV. And we will be here on the coast of Carolina for the next three weeks. What's it like been living in an RV, if I can take a moment? Uh, a you lot know, of people talk about doing that, and, yeah. and very few people do it. You set a life goal with you and Suzanne, and you guys have done it. What's it like? Yeah, we I've loved it, which as a recovering control freak has surprised <laughs> me. But I have loved the simplicity of it. And in six months, there has not been a time, and I swear this is true, not been one moment where I have thought, man, I just wish I had that. I love that. You know, we're just living a simple life and it's a, it's a joyful life. It's something we decided and we tried it and tried it with the idea that what's the worst that can happen if we move and we move into this thing and we hate it, we sell it and then we go buy a house. And so we've loved it. Six months going, uh, we've got three weeks here and then we'll stop in Chesapeake Bay, Virginia after this. Nice. Well, congratulations, man. I, he packed, he packed up from Colorado head on out on the road. Uh, there was a movie a, a long time ago, Lost in America. Uh, yes, I've seen that one. And then there was a, a new one, Nomad Land or something, yeah. which we started to watch. And I just, I'm like, that's not at all what we've experienced. So I know people rave about it. Yeah. But we just stopped watching it halfway through because it's just not, we've not had that experience. So where we're at now is uh, right by Emerald, isle uh emerald island north carolina we walked down to the sound last night watched the sunset and yeah it's it's fantastic and you know I'm, people ask me all the time so are you retired i'm like no not yet still no, working but no. get to work with a different view every yeah. few weeks yeah carlos is is here on the team at bdo digital he uh is our chief strategy officer he works with our clients on on their strategy feel free to reach out to him on linkedin I encourage you guys to do that whether you want to talk about van life 
or RV life or uh, about some of the strategies that we're talking about uh, today. And you just bought a home up in, in you know, I'm, I'm from New York. So Adirondacks is where my family and I used to vacation. Love it. I'll have to come visit you there when you get settled in. Would love, would love it. All right. Let's talk about uh, customer expansion. You know, for those of you guys who have not watched the episodes on the YouTube channel or listened to the podcast where we talk about our D3 methodology, I strongly encourage you guys to dig out some of those episodes. There is about a 10 minute video on the YouTube channel, which overviews the entire D3 methodology. And D3 gets its name from the three planetary gears, the three gears that drive revenue, drive growth, demand creation, demand management, and today's topic, demand expansion. I wanna start off with a little story since we are talking about customer loyalty, uh, which really the basis of customer loyalty comes from your customer experience. On the way to work this morning, I did what I, I will say often do. It's probably a once a week experience, Carlos, where I get in my car and I start heading to the office and about three minutes into my drive, when I am down the street, I get to an intersection where there is uh, a very, very long light. And at that light, Carlos, which is at the corner of the McDonald's, I can pull out my mobile phone, you know, right there on the rack, touch the McDonald's app and click on the orders button. It shows me my pre-orders. I click one more time, which is reorder, and I click pay, double tap uh, using Apple Pay, and wait a few more seconds, maybe 30 more seconds. The light turns green. I turn left, and then I turn into the McDonald's on the corner. I walk up, or I drive up to the um, the drive-through, tell them I'm here to pick up order CX25 or whatever the four-digit code is that I can actually remember because it's a small four-digit code. Uh, I drive through, I don't grab a receipt, I grab the bag and I'm out of there in about 45 seconds to a minute. Total customer experience from order to receipt, uh, may, maybe a minute and a half. I mean, McDonald's has really done a great job, but I will tell you, uh, this isn't quite inside information, but I do have some good inside contacts at McDonald's for some projects that we're working about. And they're taking data and promotions and customer engagement, and they're really going to start applying data in new ways, not only to know what I've reordered in the past, but upsell and cross-sell promotions and all kinds sure. of um, incentives. And it's uh, they even know the patterns of what day of the week that I'm typically going there. Um, so there's some really cool stuff technology-wise coming from McDonald's. And I wanted to start there because they're just one of many experiences that we can talk about in, in B2C. And you know, today, let's continue to talk about B2C. I want to talk about a hotel uh, customer journey a little bit. But most of the people who listen to Demand Gen Radio, most of you guys, I know are in B2B marketing because that's how you know myself, you know Carlos, you know uh, Demand Gen, now BDO Digital. So we'll make sure we talk plenty about B2B. But the reason I want to start there, Carlos, is that was a customer journey, right? That was my buyer's journey, even though I was an existing customer, that frictionless experience was a great buyer's journey. What are your What are your thoughts in terms of contrasting uh, how intentional B2C companies are, the good ones, about looking at the buyer's journey versus what we're doing or not doing in, in B2B? Yeah, I think one of the questions I get is what B2B customers are doing this? What can you guys point to uh, from a B2B uh, example of, of companies that are doing it well? And the reality is there's not a whole lot. And that's one of the reasons 
we talk about B2C is because there's a lot of brands that are doing that experiential component and understanding that journey uh, so, so well. And I think what we have to do, I, I, I stopped short at saying we have to mimic what B2C does. We, we don't have to mimic, but I think we can take on some of the attributes and the characteristics that we see our B2C companies doing and doing well. And one of those things is understanding what is that journey that a customer takes once they buy something. Yeah. And it's not it's, you know, I've heard people talking about, you know, turn the funnel upside down. It's not about a funnel. It is about now that your customer has purchased something, they've now actually become a customer. What do they do next? And Dave, as you and I have talked about, it's what do we want them to feel? And one of the things that I've seen B2B brands do much to their uh, own, uh, basically putting an obstacle really not do well is is tap into the human side of b2b and we talk about accounts and we talk about clients and we talk about customers but we forget the fact that there's somebody on that buying committee who may have had buyer's remorse mm-hmm. uh, and not because they feel like they made a right choice but because they just spent six figures in buying a piece of technology or a service. So what do we want them to feel at that point of purchase? Then what do we want them to feel as we start to onboard them? What does that step, what do those onboarding steps look like? Do we send them, do we put a a welcome call into them from an account rep that introduces themselves and says, hey, I'm going to be your main point of contact. I'm going to provide you the assurances that your investment is going to bring all the value that you were sold during that buying process. And I think if we understand that journey, it allows us to say, what do we want the customer to feel? And then who on my side from a vendor perspective is responsible for driving that home. And it's probably a multitude of roles, including marketing, customer support, uh, sales, uh, finance, even down to like, how are we billing this customer? Do we make billing and payment easy? Those are all things we have to consider. No, the great, great points. Um, In terms of our own billing, I've seen, you know, over the 13 plus years that we have been running demand gen, now BDO Digital, uh, move from checks uh, that our clients have sent us to ACH payments. You yourself um, familiar, you know, like all of our employees are paid digitally uh, instead yeah. of sending checks, right? So what what, what I think for you guys we're going to do is uh, I talked about demand expansion and we're going to put up on the screen right now the view of our of the, the third D, demand expansion. So you can see all the key initiatives right there that are needed for you to really maximize uh, this experience that we're talking about. And the first thing that you can see there is we really need to focus on the customer journey. And Carlos, the other day we had a team meeting uh, at, at BDO Digital and we had a bunch of folks on the on the go-to-market team that is working with a very, very large hotel chain, one of the largest ones in the world. They have 7,000 hotels, almost a million uh, customers that that visit the hotels. And one of the slides that we spent the most amount of time on as we're coming up with a presentation uh, for their team is the customer journey slide. And there was something like, I don't have it in front of me, but there's something like 10 different columns with icons at the top. And each icon represented a key part of the customer journey. So for example, check-in at the hotel um, is a key stage. It's a key part of the experience. That's why it's mapped out. 
check out is a key stage. Um, their time at the hotel, especially if it's a multi-day uh, stay versus an overnight business traveler stay, different type, we'll get into customer segmentation, but different type of stay. So every single, uh, this slide had every single major step in the buyer's journey. And even though, by the way, guys, this is a B2C uh, experience, it's not fully B2C because a hotel has corporate events and, and that type of stuff as well. But the point here is that the journey is mapped out from actually a little bit of pre-purchase all the way past mm -hmm. the experience, past checking out of the hotel. And what I would ask each of you to do and be really intentional about is to get a, a task force together and look at your buyer's journey from, from close and beyond, at least start from close. If you wanna go earlier in the journey, which kind of gets into demand management and demand creation, fine. But really what I, you know, the exercise is put some time on your calendars with the right people to look at what the customer experience is like. Every one of those major steps along the journey uh, when somebody becomes a client, because by doing so, you're going to look at all those critical touch points that, that you have that Carlos is, is talking about. And we got to remember that whether you're doing account-based marketing or you know selling to companies as soon as someone becomes a client i don't care how big the company is you're dealing with individuals right right carlos i mean uh, uh, absolutely absolutely and, and again that gets back to the point of the uh knowing what you want that customer to feel and i i even make the case that we should be doing that when we're going after from a demand creation and demand management perspective understanding the different roles at play and their biases, their challenges. And Dave, when you talk about the, the customer journey, I, I think you should be mapping that out internally. The other thing I would add is once you've designed that, once you've defined that and documented it, yeah. take that to your customers and saying, what did we miss? Yeah. Does this accurately portray the journey that you've taken with us and all the different steps? Because you may have missed some that the customers can then point out to you. Yeah. By, by mapping it out visually and looking at this is a way for you to see what the distinct experiences are at that time. It's a way for you to look at what the content strategy needs to be at that time. I'm going to come back to this in a second, Carlos. It's a way for you to look at you know what data you need to store, who's involved, um, how to make it a high-touch experience, but how to make it a frictionless experience. I'll give you an example, Carlos. Uh, we are working, as, as you know, on a project with Adobe called Project Sherpa. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's a very special, it's quite an honor that we've been selected by Adobe to work with their, uh, many of their marquee clients that they wanna make sure get maximum value out of the Adobe suite. And when we put this project together, we have every one of the major stages mapped out. So we have the very, uh, the kickoff call with the client. Now, these are not our clients. These are Adobe's clients that you know we're, we're working with Adobe on. So we're getting introduced to them. That first meeting has the whole experience mapped out. What slides we're using, what the main messaging is, what the takeaway is and that type of stuff and what we're using. And, and every time we do one of those, we look at this and say to ourselves, kind of continuous improvement, what can we do differently or better based on what the experience was to make it, um, make them that much more enjoyable and maybe that much more clear uh, for the people that are that are attending. And many a times we'll have IT on there, marketing people on there, various different folks that are on there. So different different messaging. Uh, and then then there's the next meeting 
which is a discovery meeting that we do, which has often a different audience on that. So we've mapped out every single one of these all the way through the completion of the engagement. And, and what we do every time is have a debrief and make it better. Now, I'm not saying you're going to do that in perpetuity every single time, but because this is a new initiative for us, we are really making sure that we don't, you know, set it and forget it and just let the team, you know, kind of figure out what the experience should be, Carlos. It's got to be really, really um, a, a, a tremendous experience for them. And and we've been getting feedback from them and, and we're doing that. We do the same thing with employee onboarding, right? Which is, which is a whole customer journey in and of itself. It's just your employee. How do you, when you're working with clients, um, love to hear some of your experiences in terms of like what's working and what's what's not working. You once you once share with me that I asked, you know, are you finding in B two B that there's a chief experience officer? And uh, love for you to love for you to give me that response again because it's 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 not good news. Yeah, I think in B two B there's not a whole lot of chief experience officers. I wish there were more. Uh, so typically this falls to the CMO among everything else that's already on the CMO's plate. And when I talk to customers and especially CMOs who are saying I'm responsible for the experience, what I hear is I'm responsible for the experience, but I don't have the authority to make any changes in this area. Yeah. And, and for example, say customer support. And so then I say, well, then how are you responsible for the customer experience? Because you're only responsible then for part of that journey. Um, and that's where you also, and, and we could do a whole nother podcast just on the difference between customer service and customer experience. I can provide really good customer service. I can have a lousy experience. I had that happen to me last night with a vendor that I won't mention on this show. But I, I think what we have to understand is the experience is, is long tail. It, you, you said at the beginning, Dave, customer lifetime value. It's the lifetime of that customer. And I still believe it starts before anybody buys anything. Yeah. So this is why we need chief experience officers or give the CMO the latitude to make the necessary changes based on the feedback you're getting from your customers. Because we know being in B2B for so long, Dave, the, the rapid change that happens in our world, especially with digital transformation, is so fast. The experience piece is not set it and forget it. So right. the way you're talking to customers, the content you're using, how you're engaging with them, the cross-sell, upsell, it is moving so fast. If we don't have somebody responsible for all of it, it it's going to be the weak link in the chain scenario where eventually it's going to fall apart. Yeah. I mean, the CEO, from a title perspective, could be rebranded chief experience officer, right? We, sure. we yeah. could look to the leader of the organization for looking at that. And, and in fact, uh, I've sent out a couple invites to some CEOs where I feel they have a really good customer experience and I've, I've asked them to come on the podcast. And so I'm looking forward to bringing these episodes to you guys, because I want you to hear an example of a CEO who really gets how important, uh, the customer experience is, uh, coming up. And, and yet many CEOs, that's not their passion. That's not their background. They maybe have a more operational or more technical background. Um, uh, some CEOs are really, really passionate about it. I know, I know I've always been passionate about our customer uh, experience. And if it's not there, as Carlos said, it's probably got to be in customer success or your CMO. It certainly should be in today's day and age, the CMO, because marketing is not just about demand creation and demand management. By the way, if we... If we didn't mention it earlier, why? 
Why is this so important to your business? Because the majority of your annual revenue and the majority of your growth comes from your customer base, comes from mm -hmm. your install base. If you want to be, I was going to say selfish, but you know, marketing, if you want to make your jobs quote a little easier, not that it ever gets easier. Um, if you have a big attrition problem in your company, then the demands on marketing to keep growing the customer base are exponential every year because you just have this leaky business where your customers are, are going away faster than your uh, growth rate. And if and if you're not if your retention's not higher than fifty percent, then you you really can't catch up. You can't you can't win there because your your company growth. Most companies have you know single digit, double digit growth, even. You know, very rare companies having 50, 80, 100% growth. All you have to, we've been on the Inc. 500 a couple of times, um, Carl. So I know like to get on the Inc. 500, yeah, you have crazy growth numbers, which normally happen in your first like three to five years as a business. But to make it on the Inc. 500 after you've been in business for 10 years or 20 years, it just rarely ever happens, if ever, because you're so big, you just can't grow at those percentage rates. So if you're having... Uh, attrition issues, you just, you can't win and your, your company will ultimately, um, decline. Let's talk well, about, I, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that customer retention day, this is where we saw a lot of companies pivot when, when all hell broke loose with COVID last year is we had our clients calling you, calling me, calling Rob saying, Hey, we need to now focus on our, our customers. And strictly from a professional perspective, I was like, well, it's, it's about damn time. And what I think what we do as marketers is we say, oh, well, we're, we're focused on new logo because we're going to grow market share. You're not growing market share if you have a leaky business, as you talked about. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to go and say, hey, we're going to only focus on new uh, client acquisition in, in the name of market share, you always have to compare that to your attrition rates. And if you can drive that retention and drive customer adoption, cross-sell, upsell, et cetera, you will grow your business exponentially and yeah. you can do it year over year when you combine that with new logo acquisition. Let's break down how you do this. Um, I started with the customer journey mapping exercise, right? That doesn't have to be fancy. You can do it in Word, you can do it in Excel, you can do it in PowerPoint, whatever can give you rows and columns so that you can identify what each one of the key stages are in the customer journey. And, and maybe it's, there's a bit of infinite to it um, ultimately, but at least you're gonna map out maybe five to 10 key stages in the buyer's journey. The next thing that you wanna do uh, underneath, once you've identified that is, what's the goal? What are you trying to accomplish at that particular stage? Let's take one for example, Carlos, which is onboarding, okay? You've, you have a brand new customer, They've just became a client of your company, whether you're a software company or a manufacturing company or business service. How are you kicking off with them? What's the very first engagement that you have with that company post-purchase? That's the first stage. And, and let's go through a scenario, Carlos, where we can talk about what some of the content you would do. Because that's, that's once you know the stage, and you want to know what the desired outcome is, you can talk about the content. So let's take our clients, for example. We have a brand new client, Carlos, let's say we've signed, the sales team has brought them on, uh, and now they're kicking off with the services team. What would be an example uh, of one of the desired outcomes that we have in that first experience with the client? I think reassuring them they made the right choice. Anytime you you sign a big ticket item, whether it's a, a product or a service, there's always that 
well, I hope I made the right choice. Uh, it's just human nature. Again, that, that H word, the human word. So I think just a, a email out as well as a phone call. I was talking to somebody today. I said, we've really lost the art of the phone call. So sending, first of all, an email that just says, hey, thank you for putting your trust in us. We're going to do everything we can to make you as successful as possible. And that's something I try to do with every client that we sell to. And then explaining to them what happens next. So for Bingo. us, using our example, here's what you can expect. Here's your client engagement manager. Here's your project manager. These are all the things where you're going to do to make you successful. And here are a few dates and times we need to schedule for our kickoff call. But before we get our kickoff call, uh, before we have that, we also want to meet with your key stakeholders to just make sure, once again, we are all aligned and then give you a heads up of what you can expect for the kickoff call. Yeah. What we have to understand is our customers have not been through this before. We've done this for 13 years. Mm -hmm. They may be brand new to us and have no idea what our process is. So I want them to feel as comfortable and confident as they can be once we get to that kickoff call with their team and really set the course and give them an idea of everything they can expect along the way and then who to call, how do, can I reach them? What do I need to do? What's going to be expected all the way through the engagement? Yeah. So you guys can see, I mean, Carlos mapped it out right there for our own clients. Hopefully you guys are thinking about your client experience. The one you hit is, is a bit of, of neuro, neuro marketing to it, newer sales to it, which is you, you covered buyer's remorse. One of the first things you said is reassure them that they made the right decision. And that is absolutely critical in the first engagement with a client because they've been working with the sales team likely for the most part up until this right. point and now they're getting introduced to a new group now again we're using us as an example because it's easy for us to talk to but you know just map this to your business if you're a software company and someone just signed the license for your technology right now you guys are kicking off with that vendor and you're talking about deployment he carlos covered up buyer's remorse introductions who does what right they don't know any of your team and their team doesn't know you guys. So having effective introductions frame that of what, you know, it's not just, hi, my name's Carlos Adago. I'm in North Carolina right now, and this is my role. Um, that That's maybe a start, but it's more, you know, personal aspect to it. But it's what is that person going to be doing with the client? Why are they on the call? And how are they being in introduced? Number Next thing you said was, what comes next? Anytime in B2B that you buy something that is powerful, sophisticated, um, just something that you have to use, whether, whether I mean, a lot of people buying home automation systems, right? And are, are implementing Nest uh, thermostats or other home automation, right? As soon as they get the product and, and it arrives, and Apple was really good at this, the unboxing of the, the you know, that, that's part of the customer experience, but the documentation, what comes next? So if you're selling to people and you're on calls with them, you're unboxing with them. You need to let them know what comes next, how they can quickly get started um, and have some quick wins. And that's that's important. All right. Next next stage uh, in in your customer experience. Let's let's jump further down, because as you guys saw, let, let's pull it back up on the screen so you guys can see it. If you weren't looking at it before, this is demand expansion. You can see all the key initiatives that are there. We've got uh, for those of you that aren't looking at it, customer journey customer segmentation, content strategy and onboarding, customer nurturing, customer adoption, retention, and actually advocacy. Pick any of those, Carlos. Let's talk 
a little bit about what you should or could be doing uh, in that area to maximize your your demand expansion? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about the onboarding, but I think just as important as the nurturing and the adoption, okay. how many software, how many companies have we worked with who have adopted MarTech software and they will be the first to tell you, we're not getting the value out of this. I think it was Walker, if I'm not mistaken, a number of years ago said only 3% of companies say they're getting the full value out of their software purchases. Wow. That's an alarming number. And I think what we do is we say, all right, we got a customer. Now let's see how we can cross sell and upsell them rather than being patient and saying, let's make sure they are fully adopting and getting the value from the investment that they made out of that software, nurture them in a way to help them adopt that. So things like training tips, uh, uh, you know, uh, releases, different case studies or use cases on how they can apply that software, really put a lot of attention into getting them to adopt mm -hmm. the full suite of products or to adopt the full service that they purchased. Then once they do that and they're seeing the value, it almost gives us permission to say, hey, by the way, you bought product A, here's why you should buy product B and C. This is how else it could do, this is what else it could do for you. And once they've had that experience, of onboarding, being nurtured, full adoption, getting the value, knowing what's next. That's what builds that experience and the confidence. So of course, they're going to consider and most likely make that next purchase with you because they have that good feeling. They yeah. know yeah. They, they can put their trust in you. And that's what leads to higher retention scores and ultimately advocacy. Yeah. A couple of things I hear there, which I want to echo is if you're mapping out your buyer's journey, we've added a layer, right? We're verbally talking about the layer is your, your content strategy, your customer nurturing, as Carlos said, what are you nurturing and doing at each stage? And in this table that you're building, uh, you want to talk about the channels. Are you making phone-based calls? Are you sending emails? Are you doing direct mail? Um, where is the engagement happening through what medium? Uh, and, and then talking about what you're gonna be using um, during that communication, absolutely critical. If you were, let, let's let's pick a product. You 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 bought a new car, and now you have this car, and you guys know the car buying experience, traditional car buying experience. You go on a lot. You pick your car out. Uh, you eventually get your car, and you drive off. Well, in today's cars, there's a lot of capabilities in cars that is not intuitive that we haven't ever experienced uh, before. What does a good dealer do? They offer you beyond just on the lot, because at that time, you're kind of like wanting to drive off and get in your car, they they should have you back to make sure that they go through all the features of the car and see how your client experience is to make sure that you're getting full value. Whether it's software where you're only getting 3% or a car that's got a lot of navigation, other capabilities, uh, they should be following up. So if you're in B2B and someone just buys your software and system, what are you gonna be doing content-wise? and nurturing wise to make sure that they properly move in, quickly move in, and that you hear how their customer experience is uh, so you can improve it, where they're going. You may have a training center that they tried to log into and couldn't figure out how to log into. And by the way, if you're doing training, maybe you wanna make it more open and use YouTube or something that's less gated uh, for them to access in a, in a frictionless way. So think about the customer nurturing. We're seeing a lot of use of direct mail uh, these days. People like tangible items that we all get so much email and it's so noisy and you can't write long emails. They're not effective. So 
getting back to direct mail uh, is is important. Um, Carlos, what have you, from a nurturing perspective, uh, any thoughts in terms of for B2B, the importance of, like we're getting Zoom fatigue, uh, but it is a very effective way face-to-face to be engaging with other people. What are you seeing or recommending in terms of customer engagement beyond uh, beyond the Zoom call? Yeah, you know, I think just picking up the telephone. I, I go back to my uh, some of my time at BMC Software where we actually took the inside sales team. We had 5,000 customers in our division. We took our inside sales team and said, we're going to try something for a year. We turned them into client account managers or basically account managers and their first order of business. I think there was nine of them. So we divvied up the customer base and we said, your first order of business is to simply call each customer and thank them for being our customer. No sales pitch, no, Hey, you know, you're up for renewal or we know you're on an old version uh, version. Um, we just wanted to thank them for being our customer. Yeah. So many salespeople don't, don't call oh, the customer after oh, close, yeah. which that's mind blowing to me. I would sure. say the majority of salespeople after they close yeah. a deal don't call back, but the really good ones do because when you when we get to advocacy and word of mouth marketing, the salespeople who maintain that relationship with a client exactly. are really going to get way more value than the license uh, agreement or whatever they sold to them through that advocacy. And and I think just picking up the telephone. So if I'm if I'm running a customer support desk. And I see a ticket come in, even if it's a, a self-service ticket, a follow-up email with a phone call that says, hey, Carlos, I just wanted to follow up and make sure that the problem that you, that we closed out, that we addressed for you, that everything was met, was done according to what you needed. How was that experience? Is there anything we can do to improve upon? Yeah. You're now asking the customer how they felt, did we meet your needs? Do we continue to provide value? You're not trying to sell anything. Right. You're building that goodwill with that person who is invested in you as a vendor and what you're selling. So you mentioned direct mail as well. Handwritten notes go a long way to just saying, hey, I just wanted to thank you for being our customer. You know, thanks, thanks for everything, Dave Lewis. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. And so we're so reliant on text. And I think I'm all about digital transformation, but let's not lose the fact that we've mentioned, and I've mentioned a few times, we're still dealing with people. And if I can nurture them to help make their jobs better yeah. and, and CEB a number of years ago, which is now Gartner did a study that showed if I can help improve your role or your company through my service or software, I have a 34% greater chance of renewing your contract with no competition than I do if I don't. Think about that. If we could renew with no interference from competition and increase that likelihood by 34%, what does that do for our business yeah. in the bottom line? It's huge. All right, let's wrap then with uh, some takeaways for you guys. First of all, what Carlos just said about writing handwritten notes Someone is your customer. I don't care what role you are in. Maybe you have an internal customer, someone that you can thank. Um, write a thank you card today. Don't wait because you'll forget about it. But just write a thank you card to someone uh, because it's a lost art and it will mean the world to them, especially if you write it versus just sending an email or a text message. If you're customer facing, uh, definitely write a note to a customer and just thank them 
for being a customer. If you're a salesperson uh, and you've closed a deal, make sure that you are following up. And if you're in the marketing or customer success team, um, first of all, go grab uh, the information that we, if you're listening to this, uh, be sure to take a look at the D3 methodology videos on YouTube uh, and look at those, I think it's 11 or 12 initiatives that we've got mapped out for you around demand expansion. Last one being advocacy. Um, you have to earn the right for that. And there's some very clever things that you can do to get customer advocacy. And, and it's important, whether that's on the G2 website or whether it's just word of mouth uh, advocacy, uh, case studies, or your clients speaking, doing public speaking, whether that's webinars or on stage for you, and certainly social media examples. We've done a ton, Carlos, as you know, where we have sent gifts to our clients. Um, recently, actually, on the podcast, we sent out uh, these beautiful crystal microphones to the 10 most popular podcasts of 2020, and several of the recipients posted them on social media and thanked for being on, which is a great way to promote the podcast. Maybe some of you discovered it that way. So when you've earned advocacy, make sure that you are putting programs in place that enable people to be your advocates. They're, they're, yeah, they'll do some word of mouth if they have a good experience at your hotel or with your technology, but think about and be very intentional in that uh, journey, what they can do from an advocacy perspective. All right, Carlos, thank you for joining me. Thank you for always sharing your words of wisdom. If you guys have not already, um, look up Carlos Hidalgo on LinkedIn, connect with him. He's happy to do one-on-one -on -one sessions with you guys if you wanna talk with him about your growth initiatives. Um, that's something that we do with a lot of our clients, well, all of our clients, and with many of you, we make ourselves accessible. It's surprisingly, Carlos, how many few people take us up on that. Um, but I am always interested in helping you guys with your careers, helping you with your demand generation initiatives and your growth. So feel free to reach out to Carlos and myself. And if you guys haven't already, be sure to click on that subscribe button so that if you're on the podcast, you get every episode that we make for you guys, as well as if you haven't checked us out on Demand Gen TV, we not only have these podcast episodes, but we have a lot of show and tell, MarTech and sales tech show and tell. DemandGen.tv is the fastest way to get there. That's going to do it. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.